You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. In case you didn't hear, we win. We win. Because in case you weren't here, let me catch you up. I woke up from a little nap. It was little. and But I woke up with this on my heart. Um, we win. We win. And we win again. Everybody, let's say it together. Say, I win. I win. I win, I win. And I win, I win again. And then when I'm done, I win again. Amen. Now, if you get that bold, the devil will challenge you. But you always win. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Amen. The last time I looked, Jesus is seated as a high priest. And because he's sitting down, that means he won. Amen. He had to go to hell to fight a battle, but he came up victorious on the third day. Amen. Spoiling principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. It is what? His death his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, him putting his blood on the mercy seat, and then him sitting down. Hallelujah. He, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. He always causes us to triumph. Amen. I, I'm going to let you, you're going to get stirred up whether you want to be or not. Come on. Greater is he. I said, greater is he. Why can we say that? Because the greater one won. He won already. So the battle's been won. We say, well, I'm going through something I haven't won. Well, if you haven't won, that just means it's not done. Because in him, you always win. I said in him, you always win. And so on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about um, the authority of the believer, which is the way to enforce your victory. And, um, you know, if you're going to win, you have to fight. How many of you know there's not a testimony without the first part, the test? And how many of you know that didn't come from God? God is the one that delivers you. He makes a way of escape. So the devil, you know, the Bible says God is not tempted with evil. There are God tests. Somebody's out there saying, yeah, there are God tests, but those are all open book. The test is, are you going to obey him when it doesn't feel like you can? Obey? We just talked about the tithe and the offering. One of the biggest tests is, will you do what he said when you don't feel like you can? Amen. Will you walk in love when you'd rather slap the mouth right off of somebody? You know what I'm saying? Come on. Will you lay off the horn? Instead, you know, don't, 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 don't be, don't be, don't be, you know, they can't see me. Well, God sees you. Praise the Lord. You, you ready to live this way? You ready to walk in victory? So what does it say? James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Do what? Resist. You can't resist until you do what? Submit. What does it mean to submit? You submit to God, to his word. You submit to his uh, voice. We've been talking about Sunday morning. So that means you would submit to the spirit of God, his voice on the inside of you. You'd also submit to your conscience because that conscience as a born again believer is on the inside of you. You wouldn't want to sear it. The other thing you'd want to do is you'd want to submit to those that are over you in the Lord. So you want to submit. Um, I say it like this all the time, and then we'll move on. If you can't submit to someone you can see, I highly doubt you are submitted to a God you cannot see. Praise the Lord. And so we, then we talked about what? When we submit, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and we receive grace. So we cannot go against the enemy without God's grace. Remember what the, the Lord, you remember Paul was having a problem with the devil. Everywhere Paul went, he, ha, he had revival, he had good things happen, but it also seemed the enemy would always raise up against him. I mean, he had so many things going on in his life that, you know, as he began to, you know, rehearse him, I mean, bobbing up and down in the ocean. I mean, everywhere he went, uh, those that were against him, even those that were for him came against him. Everywhere he went, he was having trouble. And so he just got tired of it one day and he asked the Lord to get rid of it. And Jesus didn't say, no, I won't. He said, my grace. Everybody say God's grace. God's grace. 
Now, what is that grace? It's standing grace. Everybody say, God's grace, God's standing grace is sufficient for me. That's what he told Paul. And if that's what he told Paul, that's what he'd tell you. Because Paul was asking Jesus to deal with something or someone, a demon that's already been dealt with. So a wasted prayer would be, God, get rid of the devil. Okay. God, are you ever going to heal me? Listen, that's not a, that's not a, that, that's not a prayer of faith. Well, I'm tired of it. It's the same thing. Paul was tired of the devil harassing him. Are you ever going to heal me? That means you believe that he didn't already. I'm a tither. Aren't you ever going to give me my money back? Either the windows of heaven are open over you or they're not. What do you believe about it? Now, you can't just do things because somebody tells you to do something. In order for it to work, you actually got to believe it. Amen. All right. We're meandering a little bit. Hallelujah. But um, so uh, submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Receive standing grace. Then resist. Then you're ready to resist. How do you resist? There are, there are weapons. How many know the Bible says the weapons of your warfare, they're not carnal? but they're mighty through God and they pull down strongholds. Um, we're we're going to talk about uh, resisting the devil. So let's, let's, let's look at this in Ephesians. Let's do this one. Well, let's start in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, just real quick. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, we talked about that. He's your adversary and he's called the devil. As a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. So we, you can see how the devil hunts. He hunts like a lion. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. All right. And then let's look at Ephesians 6. This is where I want to jump off of. I do believe tonight. Y'all ready? You're going to get something tonight. Even though you've, if you've heard it before, you're going to receive it. Amen? Because there's always something more to learn. There's always something more to understand. There's always something more, some more revelation to be had for you. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So we do that one all the time. So let's do it again. Say, I am, I am. strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then with that, what are you supposed to do? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It didn't say put on the armor of God and the devil will never come. That's not what it says. Unfortunately, no matter how much you love Jesus, no matter how much you do right, you have an adversary. The devil. I have an enemy, the devil. Just because I stand up and say, I win, I win, I win, I always win, and when I'm done, I win again, doesn't mean that tomorrow he may not be, you know, wherever. Just because you boldly proclaim something, and yet you can't be afraid to boldly proclaim that because you're afraid you're going to honk him off and he's going to come at you. He's going to come at you no matter what because he steals, he kills, and he destroys. And he hates the body of Christ because you represent someone you're part of, better than represent, you're part of someone who defeated him. Who defeated him. You're a son and a daughter of God. You have been changed by the blood of Jesus. And you've been given a name that's above every name. And we have, we, and, and yet we have to really get good first at, I believe, at resisting um, for ourselves. So the Bible says stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay. Everybody say stand against. Why? It says, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, that just sounds daunting, doesn't it? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against all these spirits. And so, you know, let's get on our wrestling clothes and get out of mat and let's just wrestle. No, let, let, 
the wrestling is done in the spirit. It's not done in the natural. But good news, go back to Ephesians. What does it say? Jesus has been seated above every same list. Principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's been given a name. So are you seated in him? So what does that make you? Above all the folks you're wrestling. No. They're under my feet. Come on, let's be all, you want to get a little charismatic. Some of you don't, some of you are too young. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Okay, I can, you know, some of you remember. Hey, where's the devil? He's under your feet. You got to keep him there. It's like whack-a-mole. When he pops up, you got to knock him back down. The army you're in is the occupation army. The battle has already been won. Your job is to keep the, the uprisings down. Because you're seated in a victorious position in Christ Jesus. You have won because Jesus won. But it doesn't stop here on the earth, the prince of the power of the air, or the God of this world of coming at you and trying to steal, kill, and destroy. We don't wrestle against, and, and again, when it comes to things going on on the earth, people are not your problem. I know everybody in the United States of America on Twitter, on Facebook, and on the cable news networks needs to know people are not your problem. The enemy is not uh, the enemy is not a person. The enemy is what is behind a person, what causes a person to think a certain direction that opposes the word of God, that opposes the living God, whether they're doing it on purpose or by what they believe opposing God. You don't wrestle, and, and even when you're having trouble with, with folks, even with other believers or even in your marriage, whatever, understand that your problem is not them. Your problem is someone even sometimes trying to motivate them. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Your problem is not flesh and blood. You have to understand this is more real. And I know a lot of people don't understand this, but the spirit realm is more real than this realm because everything in this realm was created from that realm. All right. Now, now in our circles, whatever they call us today, spirit filled, uh, uh, non-denominational, interdenominational, word of faith, charismatic, I don't care. But in our circles, those who are around the spirit filled thing, then if you start talking this way, then people can go at the other tendency is to get demon crazy. And see, when I first came into Charismania, that's where I came into was a little church that was on fire that somebody who was demon crazy, there was, everything was a spirit, you know, cough it up, throw it up. Yes, you know, if you get around any of that, you run. You ever go to a special meeting that's, it'll never happen here. You ever go to a special meeting that's not here and they bring out, you run. Because if you don't have something, you'll have something before you leave. It's a mess. It's a mess. Everybody say, we win. win. Who are we wrestling against? Well, they've already been defeated. We're above them. And so it says, take on then the whole armor of God. So as you put the armor on, you take it on from a place of victory. Now, the apostle Paul many times spent many nights in prison. And you go back into other, uh, one other epistle, I believe it's Galatians, I'm not positive right now, but he gave a partial description of this full list. So he's sitting in prison, in a Roman prison, and a Roman soldier is guarding him. And while he's sitting there, the Lord begins to enlighten him using what he sees to describe what you and I look like in the realm of the Spirit. And so we'll look at this. Let's read through this and see which direction we're going. We're take on to you the whole armor of God. That when you take on the whole armor of God, what's the purpose? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. When's the evil day? Well, we're living in it, but it's any day the devil tries to come at you. And then having done all to stand, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. In other words, you and I in the realm of the spirit, we are standing. The devil may be coming at us, but we're standing. We're standing. Like the apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. And that's the key. 
Because the devil comes with circumstances, with temptation to your flesh, to get you to sin, to get you to uh, yield to your the, the lust of your flesh. He'll, he'll try to get you to compromise what you know is truth. In other words, you know, um, you know, just anything like at work or in relationships, try to get you to compromise, to go against your conscience. The devil is always trying to, to peck at you, so to speak, just kind of just annoying you to try to get you to yield, to make you tired so that you give in. And so, but you've got to, do, but you've got to make up your mind. None of these things. And the apostle Paul, I mean, he had a lot of things and he said this, none of these things move me. I don't know. Are you there yet? What does it mean to be moved? Well, you can tell whether you're moved or not by what comes out of this. Are you being moved? Your actions tell you, are you being moved? If God told you something, do you have a plan B, C, D? In other words, what is that? That's preparing to be moved. So when, when the word tells you something, when God speaks to your heart, you've got to know it's, it, it, God, God's going to come through. Now, I'm not telling you to, um, you, but you can't do that if God really didn't speak something to you or if you don't have the word on it. It can't be, uh, uh, you know, it can't be your imagination. You have to know. I, I'm telling you that God wants you and I to get to the place when the enemy comes at us, we're not going to be moved. Come on, say it again. I'm not going to be moved. I refuse to be moved. Amen. Even if it looks like I'm moving, I'm not moving. <laughs> you thought I moved. I didn't move. Hallelujah. I'm not moving. I'm not moving off of what I believe. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. And then you get, need to get people around you who can tell you the truth. Everybody needs to have someone who will tell them the truth. Don't surround your pe yourself with people who will just tell you what you want to hear. You need someone who will tell you the truth in love. Sometimes love is a swift kick in the, mm. you know, I have great faith. That's what I prayed for. I prayed that my wife would be someone strong. And when I needed it, she would be able to give me a swift kick. She's good at it. Hallelujah. <laughs> She's good at it. I have great faith. Hallelujah. Um, so anyway, Hallelujah. We're always standing, and I do good things for her too. Hallelujah. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all or out in front of all is a better translation, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so, um, th th so Paul is looking at this Roman soldier and he begins to get revelation. Now, if you've heard this and probably everybody in this room has heard it, but you may not. And so this could be your first time, but even if it's your 1000th time, even if you, um, you know, um, could teach this yourself, we're, we're going to go through this, I believe tonight. And so, um, how are you going to stand against? You're going to stand against fully armored, fully ready to go. And you're going to notice that one thing is the armor is in front of you. There's nothing on behind you because you were never meant to retreat from the devil. You are meant to stand against. You are meant to stand against. And so how do you stand against? You stand against knowing what your armor is. Now, I don't even know if it's in the bookstore because we don't do CDs anymore. It's probably something you get a hold of. I've taught before about an hour on, not about, an hour on each one of these, and I'm not going to do it this time because I don't really feel led to. But that is available if you can, they'll help you dig it out somehow if you want it. But I want to look at this. We're just going to go through this. Let's, let's just start where the word starts. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And so this is called the belt of truth. And so what is the belt of truth? I believe the belt of truth is the logos. It is the written word of God. And, and, and this belt of truth kept everything together. You know, back in that day, and I'm glad we're not in that day anymore. Back then, even the men kind of wore clothes that were more like dresses than uh, pants. And I'm glad that day is gone. Hallelujah. Except when I was in Samoa, I was glad for my lava lava. Is that what you called it? Because you could get a breeze. Hallelujah. It was good because there was no breeze. Woo! I was hot. And, and, but otherwise, I'm grateful for pants. Anyway, so, but in that, when they put on their armor, they had to put 
they had to bind everything else up so they wouldn't trip and fall. And if you don't have the written logos word of God in your life, then you're going to, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. Um, the, the logos and the belt of truth is what holds everything together. It literally put all the armor together. It was a belt and, and it was so important for them to have. So you have to know the truth and the, the truth not only makes you free, but, um, in 2 Timothy 3.17, it says the word of God will cause you to become thoroughly furnished. So the written word of God, there's a, f- uh, a fully furnishing that happens when you have the written word of God in your life. And so we all need to continue, like you're all doing, esteem the written word of God esteem the written word of God. You need to read it for yourself. You know, I send you that, the, what do we call it? The daily bread stuff. And my purpose is to give you a scripture to chew on all week. And I don't know how many of you often do it, or if you catch up once a week, but the purpose is to get scripture on the inside of you because later is coming a rhema, but you can't have a rhema if there's no logos in you. The rhema is a little more exciting. It's a sword. But the logos, can I say, is if you don't have the logos, if you don't have the belt, you're not going to have a sword. You've got to have the written word of God, not just on your phone, not, not just in a book. You've got to have it hidden in your heart. Amen. And it's good to know. See, and then sometimes when, then when the pressure comes, when, when you get squeezed, when you've got to stand against the devil, you don't have time sometimes to say, excuse me, Mr. Devil, I need to look up some things to see what I'm going to say to you. Now, they need to, they, if, it's, if it's logos, if it's in you, then it'll roll out of you and become a sword. It'll become a rhema. But you've got to have the logos in you. And so, you know, that's why at Cornerstone, we always recommend everyone to go to Bible Institute because, you know, we give you 24 classes, seven hours each that'll, that'll put some word in you. And it's important to do that. And listen, whether you're here, I know this is Wednesday night, but if someone's watching and Sunday morning is all you can do, then I would say you need to take the extra time to, and you all still do, it's, it's not enough to hear preaching. You have to get your own Bible out and you have to read it and you have to put it in you. And the best way to get something in you is to then say it out loud as you're reading it. You know, sometimes people think, well, I'm going to read a book tonight. I think sometimes it might be better to read two or three scriptures tonight and meditate on them and, and, and get them in you and stop and maybe look up some of the words or, or, or run some scripture references that have to do with that instead of like, oh, I read a book tonight, a whole book. But what did you get from it? Just the accomplishment that I read a whole book. But that's not the point. Is it? It's not the point. What? We're trying to get logos. We're getting seed. We're getting things that'll help us go the other side. So so everybody said, I have a belt of truth. Now, see, all of you in this room and anybody watching and part of our church, I know that you get word so that you have the ability to have this belt. I know that because I believe it's the most important. The Bible says God has elevated his word even above his name. That's a high elevation. It's the same. It's Jesus. But the, without the word, you can do nothing. Without the word, you're not going to be able to make it. And you're sure not going to be able to stand against the devil. So fully armored, I got the word of God. I got the word of God. I got the word of God. Hallelujah. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. His word is precious. Jesus is the word. And we're so grateful for that. The next one. And, and so let's look at it. And it's called the breastplate of righteousness. Now, a lot around here, especially the last two or three years, I've noticed this. Righteousness has really come up and been a theme in our church. Righteousness is so important. It's the, but it's a breastplate. What's a breastplate? Well, if you're looking at a soldier, the breastplate covers the vital organs. So if there, uh, a fiery dart comes or something gets through or a sword, even in the natural, uh, something, you know, uh, 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 a rock, something comes at you. There, someone's going to go, if there, someone wants to kill you, if someone wants to get rid of you, what are they going to go for? Your vital organs. 
The breastplate of righteousness protects your vital organs. And so in the realm of the spirit, if you don't understand, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are exposed to an enemy's attack because you don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. And, and you have to know, come on, everybody said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not your own righteousness, not by works, not by the works of the law, but because of what Jesus did, I have been made righteous. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And even notice this, when someone gets into sin, when someone practices sin after they're born again, 1 John 1, which is written to believers, whether you've heard contrary or not, it is written to believers. That is in there so when you sin or you practice sin, you can confess. You see, let's back up. This will help somebody in the room maybe answer somebody's question. When in, in John's gospel talking about the spirit of truth. When the Holy Ghost, the comforters come, the Bible says, Jesus said, he'll convict the world of sin, singular, not sins, singular. Look it up, sin. When someone is not born again, has never received Jesus as savior, um, does not believe that he was raised from, have not received him, the Holy Ghost only cares about one sin. He doesn't care about adultery. Uh-oh, I'm going to get into something. He don't care about adultery. Listen to me. Adultery has never sent anyone to hell. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Lying doesn't send people to hell. Pastor Mark, you're on dangerous turf. I am not. The truth is rejecting Jesus is the only thing that sends people to hell. Now, after you get born again, it's a whole different story. Because you remember talking about conscience on Sunday morning, where the law of God is written on our heart, the do's, the don'ts, Romans chapter 2, how the Holy Ghost uh, deals with our conscience. Because sin is a, I don't want to talk about this so much tonight. Sin is a violation of light. And that's why 1 John 1 says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus does something. It's amazing. It continually, ongoing, that verb is continual, ongoing, cleanses you from what? All unrighteousness. See, I, did, I, I didn't leave my subject. All unrighteousness. And, and, and we know this, and so when we confess our sin, the blood of Jesus washes us because we're walking in an unrighteous position by living sin. Now listen, you can't change this. The wages of sin is always some kind of death. It, it's not talking about physical death because Adam and Eve, when they sinned, did not drop over dead. They were separated. And there's only one thing that could reunite God and man. Remember Job said, I have no daysman. I have no go-between. There's no way for me to become righteous. Um, um, Abraham wasn't righteous, but because he believed in God, it was counted. It was laid to his credit for righteousness. It was, it was because he believed in God, not believed there was a God, believed in God. It was accredited. He wasn't righteous. It was accredited to him for righteousness. But when you and I believe, see the Holy Ghost, then after that, he's always trying to keep you and I in a righteous position. In our, and now some of y'all, you'll understand then why I get irritated when I hear born again believers talking about they're a sinner. If you are in sin, if you're practicing sin, what you got to do? Repent. Oh, I know people don't like that word. Okay, let's use exactly the word that 1 John says. Confess. Okay, it says confess. All right. But if you're really going to confess, you've got to also change. All right. And so when you do that, because if you're walking in the light, as he's in the light, what's the light? Anything. So the word of God does what? It brings you light. 
It brings revelation. And different ones of us are in different places of revelation. Uh, someone might be able to get away with one thing that another person could never get away with. You understand? Now listen, everything is, but, but it's written here. And even if someone does something and the spirit of God doesn't immediately deal with them, doesn't mean that it's not going to cost them because sin is sin. And, and you have to confess, you have to confess. But when you do confess, what happens? The blood of Jesus. What does the blood do? Makes you righteous. The Holy Ghost is trying to keep you and I in a righteous position. And you can't get there by the works of the law. You can't get there by doing everything right. You can only get there by faith in the blood of Jesus. You can only do that and by walking in the light as he's, it, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses you. So walk in the light that you have. Get more light. Because then I, I hear people say all the time, well, then there's no reason to read the word because I don't want to be held accountable. Oh, you're held accountable the moment you're born again because you've got a conscience on the inside of you that's calling balls and strikes. But the, the breastplate of righteousness protects you. Your righteous position protects you from who? The devil. What's he trying to get you in sin for? Because he wants you to feel and be in a position of un righteousness. What does that do? Exposes you. It exposes you. It exposes you. So is the the breastplate, you try to say that really fast. The breastplate of righteousness, is it important? They're all important. Which is the most important? They're all the most important. What do you got to have? In order to face, stand against the enemy, what do you got to have? A revelation of all of them. Amen. So everybody say it again. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, um, Rick Renner has a book. Oh, y'all know he's coming in January. Anyway, and so Rick, uh, Rick Renner has a book called Dress to Kill. I'm so excited. And Rick Renner has, a, you probably will never, I ha, will have to get it together because you should never admire someone that much. So if I, if I stumble over my words, y'all pray for me. Anyway, so Rick Renner's book, Dress to Kill. One of the best books on spiritual warfare. Okay. And so I never thought of this way, but then the word uh, bears it out. A Roman soldier, uh, his shoes were in two parts. Uh, he had, it came all the way up to his knee. And then the bottom part of his shoes have um, spikes on them because of the rough terrain. And so there's two kinds of peace. What is, the, what is this? Why is it a weapon? Why is it something you need on? There's two kinds of peace. You've got to have peace with God. That's, that's one part. But you also have to have the peace of God. And uh, this, people always wonder, is this a defensive or an offensive weapon? I don't usually teach this this way. But peace can definitely be an offensive weapon. How do I know? Jesus in the middle of the boat. Peace. Be still. What is that? That's a weapon. That's a weapon. So first of all, do you have peace with God? In other words, Jesus' blood has broken down the middle wall, the partition between us. And thank God for the blood. I said, thank God. Do you all know? What, that's why I was talking so much about the blood earlier. I thank God for the blood. The blood of Jesus has broken down the middle wall. Amen. The, the, the temple veil was rent in twain from top to bottom. Amen. Why? Because of the blood because of the blood. And now Jesus didn't just leave us any old peace. He didn't say, hey, he didn't say have peace. He said, my peace. So you're not getting, you're not getting the watered down version of peace. You're getting the peace that he actually walked in. If you keep your mind stayed on him, he will keep you in that word perfect peace, but really better translation is peace, peace. Peace, peace, double peace, but really it's God's peace that he gives to you. There's no reason for you to have to pop the Tums if you keep your mind stayed on him. Well, Pastor Mark, everybody every once in a while is going to get all upset and life, you know, what it brings. I mean, you know, nobody can stay in peace. Well, that's not what the word says. The word says, if you keep your mind stayed on him, You can have perfect peace. 
one called Orkin. <laughs> We're a little demon. <laughs> um, anyway, in Jesus' name, go away. Um, listen, so everybody say peace. peace. Not as the world gives, but the kind that Jesus walked in. And because he walked in that peace, when he stood up in the middle of the storm and said, peace, be still, it obeyed him. One of the things, you know, as a pastor, um, we, we do that we determined a long time ago is because a lot of times, uh, and now the pastoral staff handles a lot of it, but still we have to do some things. We do some things when, when it uh, warrants us being there. Um, we, Pastor Ron and I, one of the things we'll do is on the way to a hospital, on the way to a scene, on the way to something, we will receive the grace of God to have peace. Because a lot of times we found it's not what you say during those moments, it's what you carry. It's what you carry. So when I walk in the room, peace walks in the room. Peace walks in the room. Peace walks in. When you go to work, peace walks in the room. When you're in the board meeting and everybody's fussing, peace walks in the room. Amen. When you walk in your teenager's room, peace walks in the room. Amen. Everywhere you go, why? Because he left his peace with you. And so there's two kinds of peace, peace with God and the peace of God. And that's what makes this um, a, a part of, because that's what it means with this being a, a weapon. And then we all know this one being in our circles, um, the shield of faith. And I know uh, uh, the King James says, uh, basically, and people have said it's the most important, but a better translation is out in front of all, meaning it's the the piece of the um, equipment that's out in front of you because they're all important. They're all important. Um, If you was in battle and had um, your shield, but you didn't have your helmet on and an arrow went from one side to the other, you're still dead. So you can have the best shield in the world, but without a helmet, you're going to die. Um, you can have the, the shield of faith out here, but if you don't have a revelation of your righteousness, if something gets through on the side, you're still dead. They're all equally important. So this is out in front of all. And so um, back in the back room in the torch, you know, if you don't have kids, you probably haven't seen it. And I don't know when you will see it, except you see a picture. Pastor Rhonda from India, uh, we ordered this huge, got this, it's lifelike guy in an armor. And uh, his shield though is, is a pretty one with a cross on it and everything. That's not what they look like. They, were, they used those for military parades. In other words, they, that, that, they didn't have a shiny, pretty armor, you know, with pretty things on it. That's not what they used for battle. That was for the parade after they won. What they had was a huge shield that went from their chin all the way to the floor, but it was made of leather and it was soaked. And so no wimps need to apply because you got all this stuff on, but then you've got this this shield. So there must have been some, um, you know, some business going on right here because they were holding those things out in front of them because they needed to, because at that time the enemy was throwing fiery darts. So back in that day, their arrows, when they hit, exploded with fire. And so the fire, which is a good representation of the devil, see, it's not just meant to hit you. It's meant to explode when it hits you. Sin's not just meant to deter you. It, when you yield to it, it's meant to explode. And so you've got to have out in front of all the shield of faith. How many of you know faith is not a movement, it's a doctrine? I'm going to tell you that again. Faith is not a movement, it's a doctrine. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when it comes to resisting the devil, remember 1 Peter 5, 9 says that we have to resist him, how? Steadfast in the faith. In other words, we got to have faith in our armor. We got to have faith in God and we got to have faith in our weapon. And we need to understand by faith that the devil or whatever is coming against us has been defeated. 
If the devil is trying to tell you that you're something that the Bible says you're not, it's a lie and you have to resist it. You have to resist it. All right, so out in front of all, you've got the shield of faith. Now, one of the cool things about the shield of faith, you've heard me say this many times, but this one was really big on my heart tonight. One of the things we're doing at Cornerstone Word of Life Church is we're really pushing uh, fellowship. We're really pushing uh, kononia. Everybody say kononia. It's not Hawaiian. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, that'd be fun though. Uh, kononia is the word for fellowships out of Acts chapter 2. Verse 42, it's talking around, right in there. I don't know if it's exactly 42. Anyway, it's right there in my Bible. But anyway, it's, it's Konania. And so one of the things that fellowship will do, it will cause you to know one another. And the Bible says, when we get together, iron sharpens iron. And then fellowship, and how many of you know, uh, walking your dog together, going and shooting guns together? Yes, you, not here, down at the place, wherever they do it, if they even still do it. I don't even know what our connect groups are anymore. But then our, our children, Children are fellowshipping, um, or the men are fellowshipping, the women are fellowshipping, the married couples are fellowshipping. Um, uh, uh, we got we got the youth are fellowshipping, the the uh, young adults are fellowshipping. Everybody, we we all, we all fellowshipping together. We're all having kononia. That is not just because the Bible talks about there in Acts chapter two. It talks about bookends. It talks about uh, doctrine and it talks about prayer. But in the middle, it talks about fellowship, and you need fellowship. And when you fellowship with someone, uh, when I was praying this out, we were, we were praying on our vacation and I prayed this out. It, it'll be like this. When you learn to fellowship with someone and you give, you say, well, I, you know, I, I've got enough friends. I don't need any more. Well, anyway, you do and they do and we need you and you need them whether you know it or not. And it's best to have people of like precious faith because when you get in trouble and you will one day, you need, because two are better than one and a threefold cord is not easily broken. You need to have someone, uh, instead of just pray from a distance, oh yeah, I haven't seen them. You need someone to be able, uh, and not just the pastoral staff, to have your back. Because your back is... You need someone, and so the shield of faith, one of the greatest things about it, I love in Rick Renner's book, he talks about most of them, and I've seen it before. Um, they have uh, um, um, latches, or what do you call that, hinges on the side, so that you can, they can, you've seen them like in the, in the movies, the military movies, they can make a straight line, but they can also uh, walk a dignitary in the middle of a battle by circling them and putting something over his head and walking them from one place to another place, amen. You need somebody to walk you sometimes with the shields of faith around you. I need you to do that for me. I, if you're just praying for me and Pastor Rhonda, oh, bless them, Lord. Stop it. I want you to pray for us. I want you to, I want you to really pray for us. Pray the word over us. Amen. Glory. All right. So we got a shield of faith out in front of all. So when the fiery darts of the wicked one comes, what happens? You've got a shield of faith that quenches. The Bible says no weapon that's formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, what? You're going to condemn it. Who's going to condemn it? You're going to condemn it. How are you going to condemn it? With the shield of faith. You're going to condemn it. Then say God's going to condemn it. You're going to condemn it. You're going to say, this is not allowed. Not in my house. This is not allowed in my family. This is not allowed. I, I, I condemn that. It's a fiery dart. And when it comes, it's going to hit my shield of faith. And even though it could have been deadly, it's not, nothing's going to happen. Amen. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing is going to happen or nothing, whichever way you prefer, but nothing's going to happen. Come on, you've got to believe that, that because you walk by faith and not by sight, that even though there's an enemy that has been defeated, you've got to resist him steadfast in the faith. Amen. And every once in a while, we all need a little help. Praise the Lord. Because that's how a lion hunts. He hunts the weak. He hunts those with their head down. He hunts those that are off all by themselves. That's who he goes after. He didn't go in the herd. If he goes in the herd, he tries to split the herd. Come on. 
Is anybody beside me when you watch those shows? I root for the wildebeests. I root for them. I scream at them. I try to help them. I'm always grateful. I love this one. I think I showed it a couple years ago on a Sunday morning. I love this one. I think they were these uh, water buffalo. Um, they were at this, um, I think it was, I don't think, I don't, yeah, it was a lion. I don't know if it was a lion or an alligator. But anyway, one of those nasty ones. It was both. And, and so, but these bulls came in, man, and they, oh, man, they, ooh, they got him. They, they head-butted him. They kicked him. They got rid of and that little calf was free. Hallelujah. I like happy endings. I know they got to eat, but I don't care. I don't want to see it. When I'm watching TV, lions never win except in the Lion King. And so anyway, are you with me? All right. So everybody say, um, I have a shield of faith. Now, what's the other one? What do we got? Taking the shield of faith, take on the helmet of salvation. What is that one? The helmet of salvation. Well, you got Romans 12, one and two talks about renewing your mind. Now listen, having a helmet on you need some protection. And the world we live in with all the mess going on and everything that comes to your soul, to your mind, your will, and your emotions, the only thing that can protect you is the word of God. And again, this is where Romans 12, 1 and 2 says you have to renew your mind. You have to renew it. And so uh, when we're born again, our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions could come with all the damage that they already had. If you were doing something, practicing sin in a certain way, then you have to totally rethink by getting washing it with the Word of God. Um, your, this is not exactly about this, but I'm going to do it. Like um, I do this in my um, uh, Holy Spirit class, but you're a three-part. You are a spirit, have a soul, mind, will, emotions. You live in a body. And the thing after you get born again, because the devil knows he's lost you, but what he will really fight is you doing something with your mind and your soul, getting your emotions healed. Jesus is the healer of the broken heart. Renewing your mind with washing it with the word of God. Because if you can start, because you know people say, y'all remember when people used to say to you, well, God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And his ways are high. You can never figure him out. That's not what that scripture means. Every thought you ever needed from God was written down. And your thoughts can become his thoughts. Your ways can become his ways. They are higher, but you can, you can start doing them. How do you do that? Renew your mind with the word of God. You can think like him. You can talk like him. And you have to. Because that's the battleground is your mind. Because if you don't renew that, and so many believers don't, they just don't. And so they still think like they thought before they were born again. They still go. And so if you don't renew your mind, and, and there's something about Romans 12, 1 and 2, that, that you may prove what is the perfect now, I know people teach that, well, God has three wills. No, he don't. You're either in or you out. Well, I'm in the acceptable will of God. No, you're in or you're out. That was, those were adjectives describing what it's like to be in the will of God. And there's a whole doctrine about, well, if you miss it, you're in the permissive will of God. No, you're either in or you're out. Are you in? Are you in? Are you in? Oh, man, y'all, I don't have time to teach on plan A all the way. Because even if you mess it up and you repent, you're still back in plan A. Even if the scenery is all different and the people are all different, it's back to plan A. It's amazing. I don't have time to talk about it. Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful for God? Yes. Okay. So, so what are we doing? So we're renewing our mind. And when we renew our mind, then what happens is then we can have take dominion over our body. The Bible says you walk in the spirit, you're not fulfilled the lust of your flesh. But that's not going to really happen unless also you're renewing your mind. You're renewing your mind. 
Because when you, cause, cause then it's like, because your spirit's going towards God. If you get your mind going towards God, it's two against one. But if you don't ever do anything with your soul, it's the pivotal part of you. Then your body, when it wants something, you're going to go with your body because it feels right. It feels good. I want to. Paul said he had to keep his own body under. Paul said, I have to keep my own body under, lest when I preach to you, I myself become a castaway. Come on. That's not, for, that's not a preacher verse. That's an everybody in the room verse. Amen. Why? So that, so that I am fully armored because also when I keep my body under, the devil has nothing to come at me. Uh, James chapter uh, 2, talk, when, uh, don't say when you're tempted, you're tempted of God because God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man with evil. You sin and I sin when, we're, when the temptation comes from the devil and we're enticed and drawn away with our own lusts. When you got born again, the lust of your flesh didn't go anywhere. And especially if you were living in a certain way before you got born again, it, it doesn't just magically, if I can use that word and nobody get mad at me, just disappear. You have to renew your mind and keep your body under. I don't know about y'all. I got to keep mine under. Y'all got to keep yours under. Amen. All right. Amen. So what is that? Well, why is that important? Well, because if I, um, <laughs> if I renew my mind, then I've got a helmet of salvation on, right? All right, one more. There we go. The sword of the spirit. See, everybody knows this one. So I'm not going to spend much time on it. Sword, distamos, double mouth. He say, you say. The word of God's got to come out of your mouth. There is no silent victories. There's no silent victories. Today, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed it to the birds. We having the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore speak. Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, whatever the devil put in your way, be thou removed, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe whatever things he says, he'll have what he says. Amen. You've got to say what the word of God says about it. And in order for it to be a rhema, the logos has to come alive in you and come out of your mouth. It can't be polyparrot. Come on. My mamma had a parakeet. Y'all know, like a parrot, but it's a little one, parakeet. And she taught it to say things. Um, one of the things she taught it, don't anybody call me this, because she, she called me Marky. She was, there's two people, and you're not one of them. Um, <laughs> Marky, go get me a Big Mac. And so when I walk in, I don't know if that bird recognized me, but when I worked at me, she thought it was cute. I didn't think it was cute. But anyway, Marky, go get me a Big Mac. And so uh, and then I told you this before, but I love this story. My Aunt Ellen, um, she was ornery. Oh, ornery as cat dirt. And she taught the guy in a, the little parakeet. She was from Louisville, and she had a southern accent. And she taught the, the bird. She was staying with my grandma for a while. And she taught her, the bird to say, uh, get the preacher a beer, Ruthie. And, that's just bad. That's wrong. Back when I was 14, 15, 16, I thought it was funny. Anyway, but uh, I don't think it's funny today. And so, because lots of preachers are getting beers. Anyway, um, so anyway, um, where am I? Um, we're, what are we talking about? Ted, help me. The sword of the spirit. Hallelujah. Run the devil off. Open your mouth. Say something. Hallelujah. Come on. Open <laughs> Open your mouth. Say something. Hallelujah. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.